Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Pints of Football, where much like the UK at the Eurovision Song Contest, it's difficult to say why we still bother. My name is Tom Meadowcroft, and with me as always is Monsieur Neil Poit himself, Daz Napton. Here we go again. How's your week been, Daz? Yeah, good. I'm just uh, having my very last of my four days off before I start five horrible long days at work, so uh, I'm as high as I can be. (laughs) He's more of a quarter league than man at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, but no, good. It's good to be back. I'm looking forward to this uh, latest instalment of In The Mix because uh, mm-hmm. it's um, it's your turn to do all the work, do all the editing, <laughs> do all the recording. I just get to turn up and listen to your amazing story. <laughs> right. Remind um, the listeners what we're doing, if you would. Yeah, so um, following on from um, the first couple of episodes of In The Mix we did, where we had a hysterically named Daz versus Tom 11, we've now decided to um, up the ante and go as even more random. Um, and what we're doing is we are challenging each other to find a weird and wonderful story from a country of the opposition selection. So... We started off with a default one for the first one, just because I just came up with the idea. But then after that, I've challenged you to complete a story from uh, Uruguay. Yes. Uh, Uruguay is a bit of a footballing powerhouse. Uh, They were the hosts of the first ever World Cup in 1930, and they've gone on to win the thing twice. Um, It's by miles the smallest country by population to ever lift uh, football's top prize, incidentally. Got really? three and a half million residents. Wow. Now, the next smallest winning country is Argentina with 45 and a half million. So Christ. I did not know that. I thought Uruguay was bigger than that, but there you go. I hope that wasn't your story. That was not my 
Now it's just a little factoid to get you warmed up. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. So for my, I mean, I apologize if anyone's listening to this who's like kind of a football history buff. I don't really know what happened in world football in the 1950s. So <laughs> I, it, this was quite interesting to me. But anyone that knows their stuff is probably going to know this. But never mind. So for my story, we're going back into the mists of time uh, to talk about the second time that Uruguay won the World Cup in 1950. Hey. So weirdly, in the 1950 World Cup, the winner was decided by a second group stage. Uh, is um, They had four group stages for the first round, right? And then the four winners of that went into a mini round robin tournament. Right. Well... Which- I, sounds awful to be honest. I, I must admit, uh, back back in the day, sort of early two thousands, I think it was the Champions League. You had your obviously your, your group stage, and then that had a second group stage. But then after that, it did go to the knockouts. It was just so you could get more from the competition. Um, yeah, and I did quite enjoy that. Um, but to to win the World Cup not having a massive final in a massive uh, all-stakes game does seem a bit odd, yeah. For It seems like researching some of the earlier World Cups, I tried to get something from the first World Cup, but like um, what I discovered was, I'm not trying to downplay uh, people, the country's success at all, but um, it, for, a, for the longest time, it was very difficult to get European teams involved, it seems, because like uh, 1930s, I'm not sure if there were any European teams involved. Uh, England certainly weren't because it was like a it was like a sort of you know twelve day boat ride over there. Yeah, I did. I have, yeah, commercial air I have, flight and stuff. I, I did wonder that because I'm pretty sure um, when I've looked at like really old World Cups before, it has basically just been whoever can get there. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Okay, so the game we're talking about was the final of the three games to be played, and it was Brazil versus uh, Uruguay. Uh, neither Spain nor Sweden, who were the other two that got through, could emerge as champions. They hadn't got enough points. Uh, Uruguay needed the win, whereas Brazil only had to avoid defeat at their own stomping ground, Estadio del Maca- Maracana. Yeah. I'm going to mispronounce some things here, sorry. The Maracana. The Macarena. <laughs> yeah, so Brazil had been in really good form before meeting their South American rivals. They'd scored 23 goals in the previous five games of the World Cup. And uh, due to withdrawals, uh, the group, this is great, the group that Uruguay were in was just them and Bolivia. <laughs> so it was, it, was, it was a one-game group, and Uruguay won 8-0. Wow, that is so... Um... It didn't really get much practice in before going up against Brazil. So what did they do in the spare time? Oh, God knows. So after they got through their, open quotes, group stage, Uruguay drew two all with Spain and only just beat Sweden in the last few minutes, 3-2. And because of this, uh, the press had already declared Brazil the winners based on this form. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) No prizes for seeing where this is going. Yeah. On the day of the match, the mayor of Rio de Janeiro has delivered a speech which ended with the words, you players who in less than a few hours will be hailed as champions by millions of compatriots, you who have no rivals in the entire hemisphere, you who will overcome any other competitor, you who I already salute as victors. And there was also a victory song composed called Brazil Os uh, Vencedores, 
or Brazil the Victors. This was composed and practiced, presumably at great expense, ready to be played after the final. Well, I mean, (laughs) the only way I would be making that song is if I was Brazil playing against San Marino. Even then, you're tempting fate, I feel. Yeah. The morning of the 16th of July, 1950, rolls around. The streets of Rio de Janeiro were bustling with activity. An improvised carnival was organised with thousands of signs celebrating the world title. A chance of Brazil must win. (laughs) (laughs) Brazil Uh, must win. Brazil Brazil must win. Brazil must win. win. We've spent all this money on the song already. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I I guess this was before fan chanting was really formalised. The spirit was, so say, maintained right up until the final minutes of the match, uh, which filled the Maracana Stadium. Uh, there was a paid attendance of 173,830 people Ooh. and uh, an actual attendance estimated to be well over 200,000, uh, which ah. due, due to the nature of all-seater stadiums, there's probably not a record we're ever going to see beaten for a live team sports event. That's mental, isn't it? 200,000 yeah, really difficult to Really difficult to even imagine. But um, oh, you, you've seen like photographs so, I mean... of grounds yeah, back in the day and it's just people stood like elbow to elbow and people pe- kids being snuck over the walls yeah well the only thing i can think of is um i mean you've been to um glastonbury a few times haven't you um, yeah and I- i've been to leeds fest and <clears throat> the sort of the last night the last band where <laughs> yeah. it's just too packed and you can't even move so you just end up going to the like little tent where there's like ten people watching, but I guess in this scenario you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, it must have taken a bloody long time to get out. Oh. So while Brazil were going around dicking everybody left, right, and centre, Uruguay's captain, um, oh god, Obdulio Varela, possibly prepared his side for the match by furiously buying up as many local newspapers, which had already declared Brazil the champions that he could, uh, spread them out over his bathroom floor and encouraged his teammates to piss and spit on them. Which is one way to prepare for a match against uh, technically superior adversaries. Should we we not be spending a bit more time on the training pitch, boss? No, (laughs) No, you piss on my floor. (laughs) Uh, In Uruguay's dressing room, in the moments prior to the match, their coach, Juan Lopez, informed his team that their best chance of surviving the powerful offensive line of Brazil would come through adopting a defensive strategy. (laughs) This I really like. I've got a lot of um, time for Varela um, throughout this story. So after their coach left, Varela, so say, stood up and addressed the team himself, saying that Juancito is a good man, but today he is wrong. If we play defensively against Brazil, our fate will be no different from Spain or Sweden. Varela then delivered an emotional speech about how they must go against all odds and not be intimidated by the fans or the opposing team. The speech, um, as was later confirmed, played a huge part in the final outcome of the game. Uh, In response to the squad's underdog status, the captain delivered the memorable line, Boys, outsiders don't play. Let's start the show. Wow. So yeah, basically um, the the whole thing is just like gamesmanship and psychological stuff by um, Valera, who seems like a great guy. I'm a big fan of that. That speech, you know when they always say on um, 
I've seen it on a few TV shows or a few blogs or whatever where people say, if you could go back in time to any one moment of history, I think having just heard that, I'd go back and listen to that speech. Yeah, I'd, just, I'd go to this game in general. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't uh, yeah. look for any video, but there's a great um, photo of the winning goal going in. Really? I wouldn't want to have um, necessarily seen the um, urination on the newspapers, but the, the, speech, <laughs> the speech bit have been worth a look. So by now, I imagine you've worked out how this is going to end. Um, amazingly, almost no one on the Brazilian side saw this coming. Uh, the fawning praise being heaped on the team well before a ball was even kicked uh, wasn't seen as a problem, apart from one guy called uh, Paulo Machado de Carvalho. Sorry, everybody. Uh, who was a lawyer who travelled with the team um, in some sort of official capacity and would go on to be the head of the Brazilian team delegation at the 1958 and 62 World Cups, both of which Brazil won. Paulo visited a training session on the eve of the game and found the players being praised by politicians and having triumphant photos taken by journalists. He attempted to warn Brazil's coach, Flavio Costa, about the risk of upsetting the players' concentration but Costa was in no mood to let this bald-headed lawyer spoil the party. Frustrated, Paolo told his son Tula, who was with him, we are going to lose. Ooh, I wonder if this was <laughs> back at... I wonder if they had uh, bookies back then. Yeah, he just runs straight to the bookie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 1950s Brazilian bookie. <laughs> what odds you'll give me Uruguay? Oh, <laughs> yeah. It would have been good odds, I reckon. Just add an offensive accent as well as a fam- offensive mispronunciations of South American names. Though we're just we're just trying to put ourselves into the into the scene, really. Just trying to get cancelled. <laughs> so, as expected, Brazil went on the offensive from kickoff, but unlike Sweden and Spain, Uruguay were able to keep them out for the first forty-five minutes. However, only two minutes into the second half, a man named Albino scored the opener for Brazil. Oh, That's uh, Albino Fracchia Cardoso, which is a great name. Yeah. Uh, Varela proceeded to argue the toss with the ref about a supposed offside, even going as far as demanding an interpreter. He managed to draw this argument out long enough to let the home crowd calm down, which was his plan all along. Um, taking the ball back to the centre, he is said to have shouted to his team, now it's time to win. So seizing the initiative, Uruguay went on the attack, exposing Brazil's by now pretty complacent defence. Juan Alberto Chifano scored the equaliser in the 66th minute and Gigia made it two with only 11 minutes to go by squeezing the low shot under goalkeeper Barbosa. The match is considered one of the biggest upsets in football history and Gigia would later remark that only three people managed to silence the Maracana. Frank Sinatra, the Pope, and me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Apparently just like stone-cold silence, apart from the very faint sounds um, down on the picture of the Ur- Uruguayan players losing their ship. Wow. God. Love to see that. So the aftermath. Um, apparently there had already been 22 gold medals made for the Brazil squad. These were discarded, <laughs> never to be seen again. And the song Brazil the Victors was never performed publicly. <laughs> Four members of the team, including the captain Augusto, Augusto never played for Brazil again. Oh, that's not around... bad. I thought you were going to say they got shot. Because <laughs> that has happened over there before, I think. Really? God. Well, I did... I did... 
someone wrote that there were reports of fans committing suicide, but I couldn't find a source for that, so I didn't put it in. Um, So scrabbling around for something to blame, the Brazil Sports Federation decided that the white shirts with blue collars that the team wore during the final were too unpatriotic, and the kit was redesigned to incorporate all four colours of the Brazilian flag, which is the kit we know today. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a a great fact, that that's where Brazil's uh, such famous kit came from. Yeah, a, ma- a massive embarrassing defeat. Uh, the the event was known, it was dubbed Maracanazo, roughly translated as the Agony of Maracana, which is a bit dramatic, but there you go. That's um, that's great. That's some story, is that? I've got like, a, I've got one last bit, kind of an epilogue, which is quite okay. nice. Um, Brazil weren't bitter forever. On the 29th of December 2009, Brazil honoured um, Gizia, the scorer of the winning goal by placing a mould of his feet alongside greats including Pelé, Portugal's Isbo, and Germany's Franz Beckenbauer on the Maracana Stadium Walk of Fame. Uh, Gigio is the oldest surviving player from both sides that played in the game, and amazingly died on the 16th of July 2015, exactly 65 years to the day of the final, uh, aged 88. Whoa. Yeah, pretty crazy story. That's insane. Good story. He probably got too excited on the day. Yeah. Well, that's it. When, when you get to that age, there really is only, only birthdays and maybe Christmas if they, spell, if they celebrate Christmas in Uruguay. Pretty so sure they do. Probably I guess the, the festivities of um, the World Cup final are probably up there with those events. Yeah. So that's uh, the best thing I could see I could find without digging too deeply. Good. That was um, that was really good because you covered a completely different time zone compared to my story, which was a bit more recent. So did yeah. involve Brazilians, though. Well, yeah, much like your yeah. story. It's like we are um, anti-Brazilian with uh, the stories we've been coming out with. We'll have, but, to find, we'll have to find something good to say about Brazil. Yeah. I'm sure, well, God, yeah, the, the most famous footballing nation in the world. So I guess if anything, we're, we're, really, um, we're really putting it out there at some of the less positive things about Brazil, that the players um, smuggled themselves over to an um, island in Asia to try and reform themselves as national citizens of another country and had a massively embarrassing defeat after before the game claiming they were definitely going to win. Of course, um, what was quite a recent World Cup that was um, was it 2014 that was actually in Brazil or was it 2018? It's 2014, wasn't it? Yeah, 14, where they yeah. got absolutely dicked, like yeah. on several occasions, like seven one against Germany and stuff. Yeah, that was it. Um, that's now that's very much overshadowed this. Um, the the granddaughter of uh, the the Brazilian keeper said that um, after the 7-1 defeat against Germany that her grandfather's legacy had been saved. Oh, really? <laughs> it's, no, it's, no, it's no longer seen as like Brazil's most shameful defeat because, you know, that was a 2-1 loss that was unexpected, but it's not as bad as a 7-1 defeat in a, in a you know, World Cup that you're also hosting. I always remember the gut image of that um, guy like eating his Brazil shirt in rage. <laughs> it's, it, I mean, definitely for for Brazil not to win the World Cup, f- 
for some fans is no matter what the occasion is always a disappointment but to lose 7-1 is definitely a massive um, massive embarrassment but is it more embarrassing than having made 22 medals <laughs> for a team that doesn't win <laughs> I think yeah it's it's just like a timely reminder that pre- failing to prepare is preparing to fail and you don't want to big people up too much before it's a shame. anything's actually done. Yeah, it's a shame that those 22 medals um, weren't handed over to Uruguay as like their winners' medals. Like presumably they had to make their own. Presumably, I, I don't know. Nowadays there would just be 22 medals, and whoever wins gets them. I I, I don't see why Brazil decided they needed to make their own. But, yeah, I think they were like special, possibly special extra medals because they were so wonderful and yeah. amazing and were already champions and addict everyone, possibly. So if ever time travel is discovered, what I'm going to do, right? Yeah. I'm going to go back. I'm going to steal one of those 22 medals. That's all I'm <laughs> going to do. I'm not going to mess with time. I'm not going to mess with the timeline or anything. Just grab one of those medals, bring it back and sell it for billions of pounds. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. So To a Uruguayan millionaire. Remind me. Well, no, it needs to be a billionaire because I'm signing it. Oh, yeah, sorry. But, but yeah, um, this will be a good reminder for me every so often that I need to go and carry on with my uh, research into time travel. Yeah, you, people are waiting on that. That's going to be when we, uh, when, we, when we start Patreon. That'll be for our top-tier subscribers. You get yeah. first dibs on the time travel machine. Which we'll obviously will come from Daz rather than like Elon Musk or some other person. Well, yeah, I'll take my laptop with me and um, some sort of dongle, and I'll be <laughs> like 1950 at the World Cup final, do a live broadcast with you, Tom. You'll be sat back at home. I'm not bringing yeah. you along. I think we'll no, probably only afford one person, but you'll be there sat in Seven Beach in 20, let's say 2028. Give me seven years. Um, <laughs> I'll be back there smuggling this medal and it'll be a great episode. Yeah. Well, stay tuned for that, everybody. Yeah. Anything else to add? Yeah. No, you've just, you've just got to pick me a country for the next one. Oh, cool. Right. I'm going to use a random country generator because it's time that we um, put this up a oh, notch. Are you ready? Ideally, ideally it needs to be a different... Um, continent just so we can get a bit Not more a problem. different flavour of material. Your country is Estonia. Ooh. Which nice. is probably going to be hard. <laughs> it is going to be hard. The only thing that instantly comes to mind is um Derby County goalkeeper Mart Poom, who was a bit of a legend. I think he scored a goal actually. Um, Alright, well don't but... ruin potential Poom content. <laughs> Mart Poom. I don't know why, but at, at my first job, we used to have an obsession with Mark Poom, and we um, we made a Mark Poom face, and we stuck it to a light. You're talking to a person who you have a Nathan Blissett obsession with. Yeah, yeah. I we haven't completely. quite. I don't think I've made physical print of any Nathan Blissett materials yet, though. Fair enough. Well, as we are, still time. Uh, yeah, we're a bit further along in time now, aren't we? It's more about online stalking than uh, <laughs> physical, physical print. 
Right, that's enough of this. I've got. I've still got to edit it. Nice. Okay, so I say, I say, I say, Darren. What do you say, Thomas? What do you call a pudgy psychic? Dunno. A fortune teller. Uh, fortune teller, because he's got four chins. Or she. Honk, honk. Bye. Football. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's playing it. Ain't you heard it? Football. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's saying it. Football's a word. There was a player. He scored a goal. And everybody cheered the goal. Another time. Player got fouled. And everybody booed very loud. I'm a football. Everybody's hoping and everybody's praying their claim will win. Football. Everybody's raving and now they're misbehaving Cause football has got them in a spin Send that punk off the pitch, bitch Thank you Sports Social Podcast Network Judy was boring Hello Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com It's my little escape Now Judy's the life of the party Oh baby, mama's bringing home the bacon Whoa, take it easy, Judy the Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.